Welcome to How to Live Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Hello, this is Dr. Chip Dodd with the How to Live Podcast Uncut. Today I'm here with uh, Stephen James, who is the Executive Director for Sage Hill Counseling, and he and I have written a book called Hope in the Age of Addiction, which we believe is very important, not just for the time we live in, but for the times we have lived in. So we have a series of podcasts we're going to be presenting, so um, hope you enjoy them and benefit from them. Thank you. Hey, Chip. Stephen, hey, I'm, I'm watching the recording device as we speak. <laughs> it's hypnotic. I want to make sure that, well, it's just, actually, I don't want it to quit. It's like we're growing bald tires yeah. here. This is the next installment in our podcast series based yes. on our new book, Hope in the Age of Addiction. Yes. Great cover for the book. We love the cover. Love the cover. It's hard to talk about the book without talking about the great cover. And you know, if the cover is <laughs> an indication... If I'm listening to this podcast, I'm going, is the inside not good? Yeah, that's actually, that's <laughs> if the cover is an indication... I, I promise you that what's in it is even better than the cover. The oh, cover's great. One of my favorite things about the book uh, is we had some friends who we know contribute their personal stories of yeah. recovery, of addiction recovery, yeah. whether it's from codependency or being a child and, as an, an addict mm-hmm. or their own story of hope and redemption and recovery. Yep. Like the book is is actually almost more than half of it are their stories their yes. personal stories of hope yes and it's and it's not it's, it is not like the stories in a lot of the texts that we were trained to read in terms of the gave the clinical cases this is a story of of what happened you know where i was what happened and where i am now yeah. which is the story of life that we all need to learn to say to to be in our own lives so you know where i was what happened to where I am now, except in this case, it's literally a story of hope about this is what the invisible dragon had done in terms of mm. what happened for me to get out of its layer and where I live today, aware of where it is, and therefore I can see it, and therefore I know how to not step back into where it lives. I'm free. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Yeah. Well, this, this which is so hopeful. Yeah. Right? This podcast, this this episode, we're, we're going to be talking about how normal becomes addiction. Yeah. And we're going to look at normal and common. Common. Right? Normal versus common. But I, yeah. I want to start with this reading from uh, the New Testament, from Paul's letter to the Romans. It says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I do, I hate. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do, I do not want to do. I keep on doing. Yes. What an incredible story. I mean, it's such a picture of addiction. Yeah, now, I'm is. not saying Paul may or may not have been an addict, right? but he's certainly describing the rhythms, the flow of addiction. Yes. And he's talking about how the intellect and the willpower— and even moral directive, the law itself, is not an escape or a solution from this struggle. But Paul's awakened this. He's not living in denial. He's not dissociated. He's experiencing the pain of being human. And what's so astounding is like that that verse, that chapter 7 goes into chapter 8, the solution. It's like reconnection with God, self-awake to need. 
and others involved because he's crying out to others. I found it. I found it. I found it. I know what to do. It's not my thinking. Yes. It's not my morality. Yes. It's not my effort. It's, it's not my do good. Yes. It, and and, and yeah. the steps. But even with all that, even my, my spiritual enlightenment hasn't saved me from this thing. No. I'm spiritually enlightened. There's not enough mindfulness. And, and I've, I've, I've got a, I've, and I still keep doing what I don't want to do. I don't want to do this, but yeah. I can't not do it. Right. And mindfulness is a piece of what you can do after the solution. And so what's amazing is that he literally is screaming, the, the big spirit uh, must walk and testify with my spirit in connection. That it, it, is a, it is an emotional and spiritual solution to have recovery in addiction. It doesn't stop the struggle because we're always going to struggle with the struggle he's talking about. But there is a hope, a love, yeah. and a walk of faith in the solution. I know so many Christians who are ashamed because they believe that believing in God means they, sh- they can't be an addict. Yes. And they're still an addict. Right. They're still yes. an active addiction. And they see themselves as bad, oh, failed, failed, cursed. Something's wrong oh. with me, as opposed to like I'm, I'm a human being. And sick. Yeah. So I'm gonna set the table with these these two things we talk about in the book, the normal human experience and how the normal becomes the common addiction tragedy. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what we say in the book is that that as emotional spiritual creatures created for relationship, what's normal is we're made to cry out, reach out, and take in. We're yeah. made to do that, yeah. right? We're made to express our feelings, our needs, our desire, our longings, our hope, and response that in doing that, like when we cry out and then we reach out, that someone's going to reach back towards yes. us, yes, right? You know, and then we're made to take in the thing that's come back our way, yes. love, acceptance, confirmation of who we are, affirmation yeah. of who we are. Like that is the, yeah. every human being yeah. except people who are uh significantly cognitively impaired, right? Like mm-hmm. birth, like significant birth defect. Yes, they, they're they're not like psychopaths. We, we well, and people that like are just it's deformity. Yeah, they have to be taken but, care of by but, us. But that is such a small percentage. Very small. Yeah. So the, everybody else is made to cry out. Yeah. Is made to reach out and made to take in. Right. That's normal. Absolutely. From from Down syndrome all the way to some inborn genius. Yeah. 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 So that's normal. Yes. Right. But then there's this common human experience. Yeah. Right. Because we're made to cry out, reach out and take in. We're also then experience wounding, abandonment, harm, disappointment, death. We bump into tragedy. We bump into life's tragedy. tragedy. Right. Mm -hmm. So we say things to ourselves. We make vows to ourselves that say, I won't let that happen again. Right. They can't get to me. Only a fool would uh, allow that to occur. I'll never care that much again. Yeah. I can't let people know what I did or how I feel. Yeah. Right. I'm going to make sure I'm safe. Yep. You know, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. I'll <laughs> only be loved for what I do for others. Yes. You know, I can only be loved if I succeed and I must remain alone to be safe. So tell me, Chip, like if that's those, those sayings are the common vows that people carry, mm-hmm. right? What happens between what's normal and what's common? And and and, the, and it, what's amazing is that the central focus of all those vows is what we've been talking about in the other podcast. What what must I do to avoid having to feel my feelings? Eight feelings: glad, sad, anger, guilt, lonely, fear, shame, and hurt. What do I do to avoid being vulnerable to those feelings 
being in need related to them and reaching out from them. In other words, avoiding how I was born, as you said, because we talk about in the book, the Apgar, a child is born uh, expressing creation and creator with uh, 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 crying out, reaching out, and taking in beautifully talked about in the book. Now, Stephen, what's amazing about that, sticking with normal just for a moment so we go back to the common, is, is Jesus talks about living the full life in, in when he delivers the Sermon on the Mount. And in, in reference to you do not receive because you do not ask. And he's talking about grownups. He's talking about, he's talking to all these adult figures. Also, around. Blessed are those in pain. Yeah. yeah blessed yeah, are those yeah, yeah. Like he starts well, with that. Yeah, yeah. Here's the full life, folks. Right. But he said, he said, ask and you shall receive, which is the inborn grown-up expression of cry out. That's the cry out. And then he says, seek and you will find, which is reach out. the inborn expression of reach out. And then he says, knock and the door will be open unto you, which is take in. Welcome you're invited in, in to and have a meal, yeah. which means you're fuller and you have something to give because you have strength to you give it. home to go to. So do you hear, he describes grown up as you do never leave behind that which you were created to experience. Yeah. Well, there's a story there. That's normal. So keeping that grown up and growing up that version of being human, which renders us powerless, renders us in need, but renders us empowered when we are in on the ship of fellows. Now, so that's normal. So and what's common? Common, though, is Jeremiah 17, yeah. 5 and 6, which we've used over and over again. And it says, because of our woundings, it doesn't say this. But because of our wounding, because, because of our, our, yeah. our best our best thinking, because of our intellect and our willpower and our I'll fix it myself, I'll, I will prove myself worthy. I'll survive. I'll prove myself, I'll, I'll survive. And it says, literally it says, cursed is the person, man in this case, but cursed is the person, which means isolated from normal. Mm-hmm. You've, you are literally have stepped away from normal. You've removed yourself from yourself. You will not, it says, cursed is the person who depends upon their own strength, who trust in their own flesh. Okay, so my way, I will, all those sorts of things, those vows you just read. Yeah. And it says, it literally says, whose heart has turned away from God. And really that means turned away from how we're created even, the Imago Day. And it says that person will be like a bush planted in the wastelands. And this is the amazing thing. Even when prosperity comes, because all those, all of us who committed those vows, Stephen, there were people who wanted to love us after we made those vows, and we wouldn't let them. And it says, cursed is that person. They will be like a tree planted in the wastelands. Even when prosperity comes, care, love, tenderness, uh, somebody who wants to find us, somebody who, who, who wants to uh, care about us, somebody who wants to, to bring us in and, 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 and eat with us, we reject. So even when prosperity comes, we can't see it. And we talked about earlier in, in our podcast and in the book that unless you can see, you're in denial. Yeah. And seeing means to receive. And so we see through normal. I mean, Paul talks later in one of the other epistles. He says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts will be enlightened so that you can know the hope, the power, and the glory of living how you were created in attachment to God who saves us and others. So, so r- really, you know. That's normal. That's normal, is to is to be attached, right? To but, God and others. But almost all of us, every one of us, 
experiences disruptions in our attachment. Sure. Right? Through a relational woundedness. Yes. Right. And through trauma. Yes. Right. And w- when we've been relationally wounded. Yeah. Right. And that's not been re- repaired or reattuned with the person who wounded us. Or we've experienced trauma, which is an, an inability to make sense yeah. of all the stuff that's going on around us. Or we were raised in ignorance, which means ignoring yeah. what's happening below or, our foreheads. Or, or we were then trained yep. to ignore our mm-hmm. no, our normative Yeah, it's not structure. stupid. It's yeah. ignoring. Yeah. 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 Uh, we are set off then in this in, into this wasteland of survival. I will survive. Yes. Which is actually glorious in some ways. That like the human yes. heart is made to live, the human body's made to live, the yes. human mind is made to live. William Faulkner's great quote that we I believe that the human being or the human uh human creature will not just survive but prevail. But we're talking about often prevailing really means sticking with our vows to the end so we can have our pride and the, the removal of our pain. But no one can do that without becoming addicted. Right. Addiction is the common. It is the common. Uh-huh. Because because of the vows that need to be broken. And and one way of of then defining addiction becomes like a cycle of survival. Like yes. This, and it's a circle that gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Oh, it does. Yeah. Versus and, and every time we go through that cycle, it, it it's initiated through vulnerability. Which is initiated through the normal hits. Well, let's talk about the cycle then. Let's yeah. Through, so well, there's a life event that happens. Y- yes. I'm but, vulnerable to life. Yeah. And 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 the survival though, like you said, is glorious in some ways because it's using how we're created, craving for life, but ultimately against ourselves. Our self-protective mechanisms become self-destructive because yeah. it requires that we do anything it takes to stay away from how we're created, and that's common. Our you know, society, what, what I thought was going to keep me alive ends up killing me. Yes, and our society has become more and more and more common and less and less and less normal. Yeah. And therein lies our problem. And Stephen, the more we declare ourselves as self-created versus, versus a creator-created, the farther away we get from normal and the more common we become. And what's, what's going to become common is we fix ourselves. What's common is we we do whatever it takes not to feel. And what people are seeing right now in our in our world, we're seeing reactivity that people who are ignorant are assuming is feelings. You're talking about in terms of COVID and the pandemic. I'm talking about COVID, pandemic. I'm talking about just I'm talking about last year, the year before, the year before, okay. the year before. That that reactivity people think is responsibility, it, it, but reactions are actions we take to avoid feeling. Yes. So raging, screaming, apathy, depression, all those things are common. Shaming. And then we uh, numb and dumb ourselves down through addiction, tragically, to avoid reactivity. <laughs> and the reactivity is really just running from ourselves. And there's no way to escape life. Like Samuel Beckett says, you're in life and there's no cure for it, right? Yeah, you're on earth and there's no cure for that. Every day life happens and then we feel vulnerable to life. Yes. So every every everybody who's listening to this podcast already believes that you never stop thinking, right? Even at night, right? Your your brain is working. Sometimes it wakes you up in the middle of the night. Yeah, but Psalm 16 says, even at night, my heart instructs me. And we know that the territory of the heart, we know neuroscientifically, even the limbic, the limbic world, they even, the neuroscience will even say that it's the feeling center. So not only do we never stop thinking, we never stop feeling. And so for every event in our life that occurs, that matters to us, that affects us, is a feeling experience. And if you're common, tragically, if you're caught up in the common, 
if you've sold yourself off to fit into the common so that you can avoid the normal, because the normal's become a, a big minority, yeah. right, in the Christian and non-Christian world. This yeah. isn't just a Christian versus no, non-Christian. This is a common Christian. This is a human versus inhumane, yeah. inhuman. And so it's like an event occurs, and if you can't do the feelings related to it, then you begin to preoccupy yourself, preoccupy yourself with control. So it threatens my life event happens, and it threatens my self-made security, yes. which creates anxiety. Yes. Then you go through some kind of ritual. And what Paul's talking about, the very thing I don't want to do, run from how I'm created, how I'm made, and relationship, and I don't want to defend myself and shove people away. I really want help, but I don't trust help. So I've got a ritual I go through to uh, help myself, a self-cure. You know, it's like, well, this afternoon I'm going to go on a four-mile run, and that's going to reduce my fear. They and call it that stress. Doesn't work. I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. So, so I I start enacting my ritual to take control. Mm-hmm. I then become preoccupied with that thing that's going to bring me back to a sense yeah, of security, I, I, and vice versa. I preoccupy and do a ritual. I ritualize to preoccupy. You know, that's the thing that's going to fix me. It Whatever gives that self cure. Yeah. Right. But yeah. the self cure never lasts. No, we act out some form or fashion. We end up acting in or acting out. We end up doing the thing. If we're a little bit awake and not in that, we do the thing we wish we wouldn't do, but we've got to do it because we can't help Maybe it. Maybe if I just talk to him or her this way, it'll yeah. work. That's like the, that's the internal dialogue yeah. of every codependent. Maybe yeah. if I just try harder or am nicer or yes. get more therapy. Yes. Maybe if I just get more therapy, yes. it will work. I'll be the kind of person that people will love. Yeah. That's acting out. Maybe if I just drink more. Yes, and that I get drunk and I didn't mean to. I drink more. I uh, uh, mean to, or the codependent who's trying to find a way to become somebody they're not even made to be. Yeah, that's acting out. So we always think of acting out as somebody that just you know throws an iron through a window. Oh, that's acting out. Well, acting out can be what you just described. It's a subtlety. So when that doesn't work, we end up in despair. Right. Yes, we end up we end up discouraged, despondent, sensing the darkness, contempt towards our towards ourselves. Like uh, and and really having a sense of of shame, toxic shame, yeah. self contempt, and the only way out of that is to promise to do better. Which uh, every time I think of Randy Travis, is it Randy Travis? Promises, promises. I don't know that change, one. Yeah. Broken promises. Yeah. Well, yes, exactly. Yeah. Swear I'll rearrange. Yes, he vowed to reinstitute the vow. Yeah, I, I I won't let that happen again. But but what we do at that point is we tend to suck up to others. We tend to promise others a change yeah. because we're scared of a codependency takes over. I have to please you to make sure that I'm going to be okay with you. I belong through performing. And see, anybody that has to perform to be loved actually resents the person they want to love them. Yes. In so many ways. So we have promises. And the only way we know how to enact the promises is with willpower because we don't have emotional connection. Because we we started this cycle to avoid avoid emotion, so we will ourselves to try to be better and not be affected. So we will be liked and we will be successful, and we do it by being common. We join the great so race did, off the cliff, but events keep happening, feelings keep happening. We don't know how to do them, so the cycle starts so, again. Now we're in St. Paul's deal. So perhaps I, I'm starting to think this book we wrote is pretty controversial. Because what we're saying, and maybe the most controversial idea in the book, is that addiction is actually common and like popular, very popular, and, and not it, being addicted is actually really rare. Yes, it is 
Do you know that, uh, like in the very beginning of the book, you talked about Brave New World? Oh, yeah. Okay. And the, and the volume explosion. The and, yeah. freak in the book was a human being who had feelings. Yeah. And everybody else who was considered normal was common, was on Soma. And if you're drugged out, which means do whatever you got to do to avoid the feelings, in our culture now, you fit in. Yep. I mean, if you're removed from empathy, compassion, creativity, all come and service to others, yeah. which come from becoming fully human, identified with others, you don't fit in anymore. So this is, and I'm talking about in the church and outside the church too, which is the great tragedy. It's not either or. Um, and and we are created for relationship. Jesus said, "We you never leave behind how you're made. Human, you're joined in how you're made with me. We're so creative that we can turn anything into yeah. a compulsive, idolatrous, addictive process. We, like we will worship anything that brings us to a place of relief and self-made comfort. From feelings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for ourselves, it, how we're made. Yeah, this, this, this really so much it, contempt for how we're made, and then ultimately the God who made us. We have contempt for the God who made us, and, and I have been contending that. See, this is the controversy, the, the controversial f- focus, and I know a lot of people hear this strangely, but the moment we run from how we're created, we're also running from the God who created us. So when you lose yourself. You also lose the capacity to emotionally, relationally connect to God. So the question becomes, like, got to get yourself back. Yeah. Well, what am I addicted to? Not am I addicted? It's like either I'm in recovery from something. Yep. You know. Yep. For always and always. Yep. And then it's the next thing. Well, and the question is, what do you do not to feel? What, What's yeah. the thing you do consistently or compulsively not to feel? Even though you don't want to do. Yeah. You, what what Scarlett O'Hara thing do you do? I'll think what about that tomorrow. What do you feel tomorrow. about leaving your phone not beside your bed? Yep. And p- if people think that, that technology is not an addiction, the oh answer that God. question you just asked. The anxiety of taking a phone away and from Stephen, a they knew it. Or an adult. Oh, they, they actually built the phones. And there, there's, there are... Uh, there's psychologists on the teams of video game designers to make them more addictive. See that that's horrifying. And the way they they give the reward systems in the games become harder and harder to yep. achieve. They give you awards easily in the beginning. They get harder and harder to achieve. Take take a fourth grade, fifth grade kid who had a hard day, a hurt day, who uh, sees herself as her hair's not the right hair, her skin's not the right tone. Her teeth aren't the right shape because we have an appearance-addicted society. Or a, a young boy who who s- said something that people laughed at or uh, who sees himself as not as, as good as X, Y, or Z. He comes home from school that day, and he's in pain. And he doesn't know how to talk to his parents about, I'm, I'm scared of school, I hurt at school, I'm longing at school. And they don't know how to navigate hurt. Because if if he tells them, they turn around and they go talk to the principal and make it something oh, else. Or the principal's not doing their job. Or, yeah. Or they, the they, child and, and then, the, the then the child is gaslighted and spotlighted. It's like, yeah. could, so I've got to keep this to myself. Or they say, don't worry about it. Don't let them affect you. They're jealous. In other words, they don't step into it with them and just say, life hurts. I'm and so I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And yeah. I'm with you. So And then the child has access to technology, one of these games you mentioned. 
and they go into that game and they disappear into that place. And that's the place they go to find solace. And you know what? Aren't there a lot of dragons in those games? I mean, isn't that something? And do you know, uh, I was uh, uh, at a, 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 the guy was doing a talk. um, He is a lawyer, doctor, and has his master's in in, in, in public health. I mean, like the guy's been in school for his whole life. Uh, Brilliant. And he talked about technology addiction and said that, that the, one of the highest causes of death, I believe he was talking about Korea, one of the highest causes of death in adolescence is, is through computer death. Yeah. I'm like, and people say, well, how does a person die from computer death? He said, dehydration. That's amazing. Uh, he said, I, they, they don't stop and drink water. They don't hydrate. And so who's leaving them Addiction. in a room that long mm. that they become dehydrated Somebody doesn't know what to do with their feelings and just sort of sent them off. So, I mean, Stephen, and then the culture, the children and parents are pressured to make sure their children have a phone in the third grade or the fourth grade, which is access to the invisible dragon in every form and fashion. But the parents can't tolerate the idea that their children don't fit in or that they can't tolerate the idea that they can't can't find their child. Oh, Oh, yeah. You know, so, yeah. so so everything. So if you don't have your phone, it's a great example. If you don't put your phone down somewhere, leave it for uh, a day, for one day. See what happens. And, to you. and you you will experience addiction because you will begin to experience withdrawal, or you will numb yourself by your determination not to be affected. I'm taking, but then 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 put your phone up two days and see what happens. I'm taking uh, <laughs> some high performance business owner guys out on a uh, adventure trip this coming next weekend out in Arizona or Utah. And we take their phones. Like we, they give their phones, but it's part of the trip. We yep. put them in a lockbox. And people talk about the first night, I felt my phone vibrating on my Absolutely. leg. Body, I didn't have it. Body time. Right? Their body's vibrating, yep. telling them to get their phone. Absolutely. Right? And then the second day, they're like, well, how can they start making things? Well, how can I take pictures of this beautiful place? Well, we brought along professional photographers. So they're manipulating. Pictures. Yeah. See, they're starting the rationalization yeah. psychology. What if my wife? Can I just send my wife a note? Scared. Scared. Yeah. I don't know what to do about right. the feeling. Something may have happened. And then to by her. the fourth day, when we open the box and give them their phone back, no one grabs their phone. Like they're like, uh, they want. They're like, I found freedom from it. But then they get their phone back because we're all going home, and. It's slowly people start turning their phones on. We've had guys be so connected for four days. They've cried together. They've laughed together. Sometimes they've even bled together, right? They've sweated yeah. together. Mm-hmm. They've slept. Like, they've eaten. They've rejoiced. They've it, mm-hmm. And they'll turn their phone on. So by the time we get back to the airport, they're all turned off. Everyone's clicked off. Clicked all on their work. The they're all, they got their access back to their common. The stress cycle has begun again. Yeah. And, and we don't talk about stress in the book because stress is real. But, you know, Stress is it, it, life happening like we don't want it to, mm. and 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 because we're human beings, becoming uh, increase our tensile strength as if we're object uh, isn't necessarily the solution. We're human beings, so really the human being response to stress is to to have a little grief every day, little little bit every. I day. mean, we sit down and process the day: yeah. sadness, hurt, loneliness, joy. Well, one of my favorite things in the book is in the middle of the book we have a chapter called "Am I Addicted." And it is a thorough self-examination for someone to go through. Yeah. Not as a shaming way. No. But as a as an X-ray yeah. for someone or a, or an Take MRI a that someone can go through. We've got 
I mean, it's questions and questions and questions and journal entries that people can can do to self-assess uh, where they are in their own freedom, where they are in their own slavery, it, like where they need to let go of something, where they need to begin to ask for help and admit that they are locked up somewhere. Like it's actually a really useful piece, you know. Um, and we, we we worked hard on making this uh, way beyond alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling. Yes, stuff. we and, really yeah. do want to break this idea of finger pointing at the addict. Oh, that person yeah. is. It's really in all of us. It's in and, all of us. And, and until we don't have the not me, we're not going to have a society that can be in fellowship or a church that can be in communion. Reconciliation uh-uh. won't be there. Uh-uh. Yeah. And Stephen, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, I know this is a strange <clears throat> moment to speak to addiction connected to repentance, but I'm not talking about addiction and repentance. I'm talking about human beings and coming home to how we're created. It means turning from the common, turning from that which takes us away from how we're created and coming home to how we're made, who we're made to be, whose we're made to be. And what we're made to do mm. is freedom. Freedom. Like True the door, freedom. Yeah, it's Not the feeling of freedom, but actual freedom. Yeah, come home. Yeah. Come home. And that invitation to come home means dropping our vows and putting down our substances, dropping our phones, you know, and start trust again, dropping our command over life and saying, I don't have control of it. It means feeling feelings, being in need, right? Asking talking about help. asking for help. Yeah. Ask, seek, find. Jesus said, grown-ups ask so they can receive, seek so they can find, and knock so the door can be open to communion. Welcome into community. Yeah. And yet common is, mm-mm. And guess what? A lot of times uh, if we ask and don't receive in the moment, well, that was that was a waste. If we seek and don't find in the immediate second, then, well, I'm out. Yeah. So we're really spending a lot of time proving how it won't work instead of rediscovering how it does work. And looking at ourselves and to see where we're not working, like where we're denying our own humanity, yeah. our own, like just the gloriousness of how we're created yeah. to be in need and to be vulnerable. Yeah. And Paul described beautifully as you opened up the uh, this chapter, this podcast, is that, that he says there's freedom from this contempt that you will always make mistakes and you will always do things you don't want to do but you don't have to live in the contempt, contempt and condemnation of, of, of that being your residence. You can come home to how you're created, to be in relationship with the God who made you, the self you were created to be, and the people you're made to be with. We are stronger together than we'll ever be apart. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening.